So just to give you a little bit of a review before we get going here. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the idea that Jesus's Jesus was God's greatest present to us, that his presence was God's greatest present to us. Uh, Last week, we talked about the Christmas story, and we talked about how Jesus came for everyone. He came to bring hope and peace uh, and joy to us, that when we're in times uh, where we don't feel hope and joy and peace, that he is the one that brings that into our life still, that he came as a baby to bring that into the world, that he still brings that into our life. And today, we're going to kind of focus a little bit on the idea that Jesus is light, okay? And that this idea that light kind of invades the darkness, and it brings this whole new thing that God wanted to bring to us. And so, um, when I was uh, moving out of my parents' house, going to college, uh, I don't know how many of you are in that zone or around that zone, maybe you just come home uh, and you're on break right now. Uh, the day I moved out of my uh, parents' house and went away to college, they took my room and turned it into an office. Okay? So it was like, hey, we're so glad that you're not in our house anymore, and now we own your room, and now it's an office. And so I remember coming home for the first time at Christmas time that first uh, year, and my bed was moved into the basement, uh, which is a really great place to sleep because it was very dark, and it was just really like, it was cool all year round. It was cool in the summer, and it was also cool in the winter, and I'm okay with cold. I like sleeping in cold. So I was happy to be down there, except for the musty odor of an old basement. I mean, that was a little bit not so great, but I could handle it. And so I came home, and my bed was moved all the way at the end of the basement in a corner, just sort of sitting in the middle of the room. We had like a living room area and then like a, a bed with a, with a dresser next to it. And they were like, welcome home, Mark. We're really glad to have you back. Um, and so I remember trying to figure out um, how to operate the lights in this room. So the, the basement was um, essentially like probably 40 feet long, and it was like most of the house. Uh, and my bed was all the way in the corner, and the stairway was all the way in the other corner. And there was only one light switch, okay? So you come down the stairs, you could turn on the lights in the basement, and then when you leave, you go upstairs, you turn off the lights, and that works for every single application except for if you're going to go into the basement and go to sleep, then it's a problem because you come down, turn the lights on, and then you want to go over to your bed and you want to turn them off. Nowadays, this is how stupid and old this story is, but you would have Alexa and you'd be like, Alexa, just turn the lights off, right? Or something like, or hey, Siri, turn the lights off. Like we would be able to solve this problem, no problem. But back then to solve the problem, we would have had to have an electrician come in and put in a new switch. And it was easier for me just to figure out how to operate in this room with only one light switch. So I would come down the stairs I would turn the light on, I'd be looking at my bed, and I'd memorize the path to my bed, right? Just making sure, okay, there's a, there was a pool table, there was a bar with a bunch of bar stools, there was a living area with some couches, and then my bed was tucked out in the corner. And forget about if there were clothes in the way or like random boxes that just got stacked up down there. So you'd memorize the path, and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, you kinda, and then you'd shut the light off. And you kind of wait a second and see if you could just kind of make out what you thought was there and you'd go across the room. And this was fine because you could do it slow and feel your way around. You could kind of just do one of these things. Okay, here's that thing and make your way all the way over. And this basement was just as dark as it could be. There's no light anywhere. There's no windows anywhere. Well, except for in the middle of the night when you get up on the other end of the, of the basement and need to go upstairs to the bathroom and you couldn't memorize and so, and generally, if you had to get up and go, or if you were feeling sick, or if something was going on, you wanted to move fast through that room, you were in some big trouble, right? You, living in the dark is not necessarily a very fun thing. Now, we can get used to it, and we can build systems in our lives that help us live in the dark, 
Okay, so that's what I would do. I would basically get up and I'd feel for the first object and then I'd kind of feel for the second object and the third object and make my way all the way over to the, to the corner of the room. Okay, and I feel like the story as we pick it up today is that's where the people of Israel, the Jews, are living. They're living in the dark. Now, if you go from Old Testament to New Testament, right, you go from the end of Malachi to the beginning of, you know, Matthew, you flip over a page. But in that page is a lot of time. Okay, we don't necessarily always pick up on this, but the world completely changed from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. And in that one page flip, there was 400 years of darkness, 400 years of silence, 400 years where people were crying out to God, wanting God to be active in their lives, wanting him to be there, wanting him to intervene, wanting him to to provide for them. And there was a patch of silence there between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so when Jesus comes into the world, he's coming into a place that is more corrupt than it was, that is more, uh, there's, there's more injustice in the world than there was. There's uh, occupation now at this point. Uh, the Jews are living under Rome's occupation. He's coming into a place where even the systems that they have, the temple and the religious system are corrupt. Things are all messed up. And Jesus is a stark light that coming into a dark world at that point. 400 years of God not communicating, not intervening, no scripture being written during that time, not much happening during that time. And so people are desperate for something, maybe even giving up hope in that darkness and waiting for Jesus to come. And it's just like a a light. When you flip on a light and you've been in complete darkness, there's a moment where you're kind of like, you know, we have this death light in our bedroom. It's like, it's like right next to the closet. It's a can light that comes down. And my kids will every single morning come in and flip that light on. And the first thing you do is you just kind of can't handle it, right? That's just, this is kind of what Jesus was coming into this world. He was a bright light coming into a stark darkness. And so that's where we are picking up the story. And light illuminates, it reveals, it pushes back darkness and exposes And that's exactly what Jesus did. He revealed, he illuminated, he pushed back darkness and he exposed the things that needed to be changed, fixed, the new way that God was bringing into uh, into the world and how he wanted his disciples, his people, his, his followers to live. The world Jesus stepped into needed a lot of things to be exposed. Um, And there were people then who were alive, but they were asleep. They were alive, but they were asleep. So when you go to bed tonight, right, you'll still be alive. You'll have air coming into your system, hopefully. You'll have blood circulating in your body. You'll stay alive throughout the evening, but you won't really be awake. You'll be asleep. And there were a lot of people spiritually who are in that state. They were uh, alive, but asleep. Jesus used the, the phrase that they had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. That they were kind of not necessarily ready to receive Jesus and what he was going to bring into the world. And I think sometimes, even as we look into our world, we can see a couple of parallels there. And I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes our world is pretty dark. And sometimes the people that I'm meeting, at least, who are spiritually sensitive or who are asking questions or starting to seek after God are alive, but they are asleep. 
They're maybe saying like, I think God is something, but I'm not sure what he is. And I'm not willing to take the effort to actually figure out who God is. And I'm not sure I need to or care. And the world keeps getting a little bit darker and they haven't necessarily found the light of Jesus. And that is the world that Jesus stepped into, but it is also the world that we live in. So Jesus was a wake-up call to the world and he is still a wake-up call to us. And the thing that wakes you up the best the most natural is light, right? You know, you got an alarm clock that goes off in your head right next to you, and the first thing you want to do is shut it off, right? But if you allow yourself to wake up naturally with light, generally that's the best way to wake up. And that was what God was sending into the world, a bright light in a stark darkness. And so God is essentially saying, when he sends Jesus, Jesus, turn on the lights. Not Alexa, turn on the lights at this point. Jesus, turn on the lights. And I love what Paul says. Right? This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 5 about this. He says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that is essentially the same offer that was made then, that is made today, that was made when Jesus came into this world, is wake up. And receive the light of Christ and let him shine on you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pick this up in John chapter 1. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago, but we're just going to pull out this one piece. This is what it says. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and, through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but we did not receive him. And God is calling us to something in the arrival of Jesus. He's calling us to receive this light, to live in this light, and to become light in a dark world. So he's asking us to receive it, to live in it, and to become it. And that is progressively more difficult. The cool thing about that idea is that we're all kind of on a spiritual journey. And so whether you've stepped into church for the first time in your life or in 10 years, or whether you've been here all along since we launched, there's a place for you on that spectrum, on that, on that journey. It's either to receive this light first or to begin to live in this light or to become this light in the world that you are. And progressively gets more difficult. The thing is, God doesn't call us to things that are very easy. He doesn't always say, hey, let me give you the low-hanging fruit. Let me just change a little bit about your life. He calls us to a progressively more obedient, difficult lifestyle as we become a Christian. I don't want to water this down. If I'm inviting you into a relationship with a church and with a community of people and with Jesus, and what I'm saying to you is if you accept Jesus, your life will change dramatically and it will be amazing, but it will not be easy. God calls us to things that are very difficult. He calls us to do things that are hard. He calls us to change in meaningful ways so that we can then change the world around us. And he makes it very clear that we won't have an impact on the world around us unless we're willing to do the hard change of becoming obedient to Jesus and surrendering our own will and our own desires to him. That there's a progression here. And it's and it's a journey. And so whether you're in the very beginning stages of the journey and looking at what does it mean to actually know Jesus for myself, or whether you've been a Christian your whole life and you're trying to figure out what it means to have an impact on the world around you, there's a place in that continuum for you. 
That's the kind of church this is. We want to welcome every single person into this. And it does get progressively more difficult to be obedient to Jesus, but he doesn't call us to easy stuff. He calls us to difficult, hard things, meaningful things, things that will change the world and the relationships around us. And so that's what he's offering. So the birth of Jesus calls us to a couple things. And the word call is used specifically and on purpose because it's not necessarily, to, you know, the idea of Jesus calling us to something. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 where he says, um, you know, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. As Christians, we are called to live difficult, meaningful lives. To really go for it and be obedient to Jesus. And so he's calling us to a couple of things that come out of him coming into this world and becoming Emmanuel with us. The first is that the birth of Jesus calls us out of the darkness and into the light. Called to surrender ourselves to Christ and to bring that light to ourselves, to individually, to make a difference in the world just as a, an agent of Christ in the world. Right? Here's what it says in 1 John chapter 1. And this is, again, the same author of John, now 1 John, uh, his book later on, or his letter later on in the Bible. Right? So this is what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And so the birth of Jesus calls us out of darkness and into light. And there's a certain level of humility that comes with us saying, and I need this light from Christ. There's a darkness inside of me. There's a selfishness. There's sin in my life. There's things that keep me from being what God has called me to be. That keep me from being in relationship with God. And now Jesus offers me light individually. To come in and be part of my life. And to take over. And to open up this communication with God. This relationship with God. So now I can now begin to change. And make an impact on the world around me. That his birth calls us into relationship with God. That he is God Emmanuel, God with us. That he has come so that we could know him. The, the first idea is that he calls us out of darkness and into light. And this relationship, this thing doesn't work unless we first surrender and say, I want your way, God. I need this humility in my life to say, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter, you know, what you've done in your life. I mean, Paul was one of the one of the most uh, adherent Jews of the day. He did so many amazing things. He was perfect in the eyes of the law. And he actually said, compared to knowing Christ, everything that he had done in his life was complete rubbish before he knew Jesus. That it was actually worthless until he knew Jesus. And so that light needs to be a part of our lives. We need to receive it. The, one of the biggest problems with Jesus coming into the world is that no one received him. His own people weren't ready to receive him. They all did this and they weren't sure about him. And then they sent him to, to die on a cross and they rejected him. And now we still have the opportunity to receive him, but sometimes our pride gets in the way and we still do this and we still keep him out here and we still don't really let him in. And that light needs to come in and fill us and change us and to move us individually to where he has called us to be. If we want to make a difference in the world, it starts with actually getting our relationship with God on point. 
So that we're ready to respond to the Holy Spirit. That we're ready to, to communicate on God's behalf to the world. That we're ready to, to respond to what's going on in our world. There are people all around you every single day that are waiting to see Jesus' light in you. We have to receive that first. We've got to wrap our, ha- our hands around that. We've got to wrap ourselves around that idea. And we've got to go for it. And it takes humility to say, I have selfishness in my life. I have sin. I have darkness inside of me that needs to get pushed out. And the thing is, darkness never pushes light out. Light always pushes darkness back. That's what's being offered to us. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or if you haven't accepted that individually, then the rest of this is kind of worthless. You have to start there. That's where it begins. It's for you to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Okay, so that's not the only thing he calls us to. The birth of Jesus calls us out of darkness and into light. But it also calls us out of isolation and into community. The birth of Jesus calls us out of isolation and into community. We are called to bring glory together, to amplify each other. That even Jesus, when he came, he came with John the Baptist. He came and had his disciples. That there was a community of people around Jesus that amplified the light that he brought into the world. And you know this is true because on your block, there are like four displays of some like half blown up snowman that you drive by every day and don't pay attention to. Right? And where do you go out of your way to go to? Bentleyville, or what's the thing around here with the light display where there's 20,000 million lights, you know, and you go and you check out the light display down the road, or there's that one crazy neighbor that does the whole house and the whole yard, and then there's another neighbor next to him that starts to pick it up. There's a neighborhood over in like St. Paul where there's like seven houses that have all done the craziest display, and people are just going over there and driving down that one street, going out of their way to find that neighborhood so that they can see the light display that's there. Right? You know this because your neighbor has the, by, by the way, my favorite one was the one with like Yoda blown up in the middle of the yard. And then all the other, there's like four or five other ones that are all blown down and they look like they've been killed. <laughs> like that's, all right, that's my guy right there, right? You know this. You don't go out of your way to go see one light thing in one person's yard. Okay, this guy put lights on his gutters. Big deal. You see that all over the place. It's not something that draws you. What draws you is a light display. And I want you to know that's what the church is. A lot of us are living outside of the church. We're like operating in isolation. And so essentially what we are is just a really sad snowman in the middle of the yard. We're trying to do it on our own. And if we would get together with other people who have the same concept of making Christ the center of their life, then the church becomes this light display that people go out of their way to come and be part of. Are you hearing me? You are, you are a huge piece of Jesus' church being successful, his kingdom growing, because you being here with other Christians creates something that draws people in, that they go looking for, that they want to be part of, that they're, and isolation is sad. If you're a Christian who thinks that you can live by yourself in isolation, you might for a little while, but it's eventually, you're going to pop a hole and you're going to be sort of deflated all the time. And then eventually it's just going to be this sad thing where the snow just covers it over. And you maybe will walk away from the church altogether. Come and join and be part of what we're doing. The light display is what draws people in. And that's what a church 
looks like. We are called out of isolation and into community. We are called to amplify the light that Jesus has brought into the world. To, to take it even further as we start to reflect it into new places. As we reflect it in our workplaces. As we reflect it in our neighborhoods. As we invite people into the church. And as we ourselves give ourselves to the church. We become a light display. The first church was attractional. People were added to their number every single day. There were people coming and trying to be part of this community because of how amazing it was. There was favor between this church, the first church, and the community around it. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2 about the first church, right? Every day, these people who started the first church, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. These were connected people living in community, amplifying the light that God had brought into the world and showing the world what it looks like to live in community. They broke bread in their homes together. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what God wants us to be doing. When Jesus steps into the world, he opens up relationship between us and God individually, but he opens up another opportunity for us to be part of his community and to put his love and his uh, care for the world on display. And so he calls us out of isolation and into community. Jesus coming into this world, and we talked about how it happened last week, really changed everything. It changed our connection with God and it changed our connection with each other. And now we have the church. And you know, God brought something into uh, the world that hadn't existed yet. He brought something light into darkness. He brought Jesus into a world where he stepped out of heaven and into our shoes. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but this church didn't exist before November. We've created something. Right? We've been called by God to bring light to this neighborhood, to this area. And a lot of people have brought the light that they have in their lives, reflecting Jesus all around them into this place. And the light here is growing. People are hearing about what's happening. They're getting drawn into this place and they're hearing the gospel of Jesus. That's incredible. That's exactly why Jesus came into this world so that we could have a relationship with God and then we can make the difference in the lives of the people around us, both individually and corporately as a group. And so the challenge for us is not to sleep any longer, not to be alive and asleep, not to be lost in what we're doing, not to be disconnected from a church but to be reflecting the light that God has brought into the world through Jesus into a world that needs to see it, into a world that is becoming increasingly dark. Maybe you need to wake up and come out of the darkness. Maybe you need to leave the isolation and begin to invest in community. The question is, what is God calling you to do with the light that he's brought into the world? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but if the moon in the sky, if the sun didn't exist, what you would see when you looked up at the sky was just a big black hole, right? Essentially, you'd be able to see the stars behind the moon, but you wouldn't be able to see the moon itself. Do you know why we can see the moon? Because it reflects the sun. 
right? That we actually are seeing the sun's light reflected off the moon, and that's why we can see the moon. That if the sun didn't exist, we'd see a big black hole in the sky that would be blocking our view of the stars beyond it. And we'd all be asking the question, why can't we see what's back there? Is that a black hole? What's going on with that? Okay, the moon only exists because it reflects the light from the sun. And that is exactly what God is calling us to do by giving us the light that he brought into the world through Jesus. He is saying you need to become like the moon. That in fact, you should reflect God's light into the darkest places that exist. That in fact, your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, your family, your extended family are places where you reflect God's love, his light into places that are dark. That when you start to do that, you'll be surprised that other people will begin to do it as well. And then God's light will begin to overtake the darkness in all of those places. It's what we are doing as a church. It's what God has called us to do as individuals. So the question for you is, do you need to come out of darkness and actually receive that light? Or potentially leave isolation and invest in community? What is God calling you to do with the light that he has brought into the world? I'm going to go ahead and pray and let's finish our service here with another song.